Pastor Bruce Barlow is happy today. The Green Bay Packers won yesterday. Now, some of you know Bruce is from Ohio. Why is he such a Green Bay Packers fan? Well, let me give you a little history. Bruce was born and raised, or reared, if you want to be correct, in Wisconsin. Which means, as a young boy, you make a lifelong attachment to whatever school, whatever team is the hometown team. So, the Green Bay Packers. And this is an especially good year to be a Green Bay Packers fan. It wasn't until 1970 that Bruce and his family moved to Columbus, Ohio. And in 1972, one of Bruce's schoolmates, who was a believer, invited Bruce to the Worthington Grace Brethren Church. And that was a game changer. Over the next couple of years, Bruce heard the gospel clearly taught. He placed his trust in Jesus and became a Christ follower. He started growing rapidly in his faith. He met Christy Coldren. And God called him into ministry. After graduating from high school in 1974, Bruce moved to Winona Lake, where he started into his biblical studies major at Grace. Bruce and Christy, follow me closely here. Bruce and Christy were married during spring break of their sophomore year in college while on a Grace College choir tour. I was in that choir, and uh, Dave and Sherilyn were also in the choir. And on a Saturday, they got married. The entire choir sang at their wedding. And then a couple of days later, they rejoined the choir. Let that sink in for just a moment. <laughs> that summer, Bruce volunteered to serve with the youth at WLGBC. Dave Hobart, who was youth pastor at the time, asked Bruce <clears throat> to teach junior high Sunday school. This was the first real test of Bruce's commitment to ministry, which apparently he passed with flying colors. Meanwhile, Christy sang in the choir, and together, Bruce and Christy led Operation Barnabas teams in the summer and helped with Brethren National Youth Conference, which we now call Momentum. The day after graduating from Grace College in 78, Bruce and Christy moved to Martinsburg, Pennsylvania, where Bruce served as youth pastor. After six years ministering with Bill Snell at the Martinsburg Grace Brethren Church, Bruce and Christy moved back to Winona Lake. Kevin Huggins had recruited Bruce to be Associate Dean of Students at Grace. During his eight years as Dean, in addition to impacting thousands of students, Bruce also completed his Master's in Counseling. All the while, Bruce and Christy got more and more involved at WLGBC. Bruce taught adult Bible fellowships. Christy was involved with Mother's Club, led an exercise class, and began to direct the Kids' Corral, which she continues doing as soon as we're done with COVID. In November of 1991, WLGBC called Bruce to serve part-time as associate pastor, and in Easter of 92, about six months later, Bruce began full-time at WLGBC, and for the next 14 years, Bruce worked with Pastor John T. Van, who's now going to come and share a few thoughts about Bruce and Christy from John's time here. Uh, what a pleasure to honor uh, Bruce and, and uh, Christy uh, in this way. Yes, I remember, I remember those days, not the wedding. That will seem so dim a chance of ever working out. I was just uh, fearful during my time here that Christy was not going to leave the kids corral anymore, and boom. 
a long time ago. Yeah, I did know uh, Bruce and Christy a little bit in Ohio. That looked like Coach Cauldron to me in that uh, picture, your dad there. Uh, yeah, and when I came here, it wasn't long. We needed a uh, new uh, associate pastor. I remember having lunch with Dr. John Davis at Ginger's Garden. That might ring a bell to a few people. Yeah, it does. I see some nods. And we talked about many things, but one of them was he, he let me know about his displeasure that I had recruited uh, Bruce and uh, from all the way across the street. He must have been willing, so it couldn't be too bad. So how would I describe Bruce? Solid as a rock, right? His life, his character, his faith, his friendship. Thank you, Bruce. Solid as a rock. You hear him preach. Solid as a rock. You know him as a friend. You see him in ministry. You hear him in counseling. That's how he was then, too. Solid as a rock. Only more so. Okay? People grow, and Bruce has grown. Got involved in town in a way I never would have with uh, football, and uh, very impressed with that. To, to step out of the church, across the street from the property, all the way into town, and to get involved, and to make a difference is uh, not easy, but I enjoyed watching him do that, and of course that continued uh, for many, many years. One thing, uh, Pastor Bruce, one thing Bruce and I have in common is that we were, we were both long-term associate pastors, okay? And I want to tell you that's a pathway to either uh, uh, mm, it's not a pathway to a bunch of anywhere is the way it would seem to most people you have to survive or to thrive are the options survive or to thrive you're looking at a thriver here long term associate pastor and then that morphed in ways I wouldn't have predicted but I'm delighted to see I still get to attend sit up there when uh, COVID's over and uh to see uh, the, the new arrangement with uh, Pastor Bruce as a lead pastor and now this transition. My years with Bruce Barlow were years of watching him thrive. God bless you, Bruce. Thank you, John. Uh, Bruce was one of the deans when I was at Grace College, but I didn't really interact, him, interact with him very much because... I was a good kid. <laughs> At least I had him fooled uh, in that. But in the years after graduating, I helped lead an adult Bible fellowship here at the church and also served on the missions uh, commission. And that's where I really had a lot of time uh, serving and working and ministering together with Bruce. And I remember uh, having a conversation with him one time saying, wouldn't it be cool someday to work together? Wouldn't it be fun to work together? But we didn't figure that was a possibility because Mary and I scooted off to Germany and uh, so that was not going to happen. Well, time passes. Ten, ten years later, Mary and I were back from Germany and the church had embraced an equipping model of doing church and had created what they called the pastoral leadership team. And Bruce was uh, called to lead that team and I was invited, asked to be a part of that team and so I look back at that and I think, wow, very few people uh, could have led this, at that time, really kind of unheard of new model of ministry. And Bruce was one of those few people. So uh, leading a group of 
pretty strong um, egalitarian uh, situation of pastors. It took a ton of patience and humility. Uh, And Bruce has those in spades. And so he was willing to share the the lion's share of the perks that go with being a lead pastor. But still carry most of the hard, difficult, draining parts of being a lead pastor. And I'm like, who does that, right? Who does that? Well, Bruce was willing to do that. And that's what helped make this model work. And as Pastor John was saying, even thrive. He navigated this new form of ministry, this model, with great humility, with perseverance, with tireless work, and with his greatest strength of all, his endless genuine interest in and love for people. Who knows your name? Bruce knows your name. Why does he know your name? Because he genuinely cares about you. That's why he knows your name. And so I think his shepherd's heart, his care for people, his genuine love is what was the glue that held it all together. Uh, You can look back at the last 15 years of ministry and you could talk about the growth of the church. You could talk about two major generosity initiatives that produced the hub and the link and a refurbished worship center, among other things, all without debt. You could talk about the interns and apprentices and residents who have been given opportunity to minister and be trained and then sent out into ministry. You could talk about the development of the discipleship counseling work and the lives that have been impacted and touched and transformed because of that. You could talk about a lot of things. But I think the main thing that maybe gets overlooked uh, is the fact that over these years we had unity and teamwork. And sometimes we take that for granted but we shouldn't. Unity and teamwork is a gift from God, and I think we have unity and teamwork because the Holy Spirit worked through Bruce and Christy to love people well. As I look back over the the half century of my life now, the last 15 years stand out to me as a very sweet time of ministry, and much of that is due to the joy of working together with you, Bruce. Thank you. We did get to work together (laughs) in the end, and I am super thankful for that. Now, all of that sounds as if Bruce is leaving (laughs) or or retiring, or are we, we, is this a eulogy or something? (laughs) You know, what's going on here? (laughs) None of those things are even remotely true, (laughs) all right? Bruce is staying. He's here, uh, and we get to continue in teamwork together. I'm so glad about that. Bruce has worn a lot of hats in his time here, and what he's doing is he's setting aside, he's passing on the lead pastor hat, but he's going to keep several hats, and, and including that shepherding hat, because that's what he's so wired and gifted with, and he's going to, let's just call that the care hat, and he's going to focus that care on our seniors, going to continue to work with discipleship counseling, and um, I could say more, but I'm gonna, I don't want to steal your thunder. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to let Bruce talk today. That's kind of our big gift to him, right? Is, uh, we're going we're gonna to let him share his heart and his vision as we move forward in ministry together. Um, before he comes, though, uh, we have some ways to say thank you to him. So we're going to present him with some gifts. And uh, we'll kind of hold off to the end to give our big thank you. So Bruce and Christy, if you'd come on up here. We have some uh, gifts to give to you. And... Uh, First of all, uh, we have 
Jocelyn and Aubrey Bricker, uh, both of whom have participated a lot in Kids Corral. And kind of representing Kids Corral, they're going to come uh, present you, Christy, with some flowers. <coughs> Thank you very much. And then Craig is going to come and on behalf of a prayer group, a, a prayer group of guys and supporters and teammates of Bruce. He's got, he's got a presentation to make. It's a good thing they won last night. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody should have one. <laughs> so we broke down and got a Packers bag. Just uh, We thought we'd do that, even though most of us don't really care for them. But <laughs> congratulations. Uh, and then this is the most important gift. This has some lessons that you can take. And our hope is that you and Trent will be able to spend many times on the golf course. So. Hey, by the way, for those of you who are watching online, you, you get to do something that um, we don't get to do here. And that is, if you want, you can type in a little message in the, in the chat box there. You can... Uh, uh, say a few words of appreciation and thanks and Bruce and Christy can go back later and uh, see those words so feel free if you're at home to, to write a little thank you or a note of appreciation to Bruce and Christy we have a, we have a few more gifts and uh, this next gift here I'm going to ask you not to open it yet alright and there's going to be a picture uh, I think on the screen this is a memory book that many of you co um, contributed to with lots of pictures and notes of appreciation and thanks. And so I thank you for doing that. And if you thought, oh, oh shoot, I meant to and I want to, you still want to contribute a note of thanks, we're going to kind of hold back and, and, and gain, you know, collect everything and give it to you and even some loose notes. So if you want to write a note, you still can. And just send it uh, by email to Rhonda Raber at rraber at wgbc.com. Now, one, one last thing. If you know Bruce and Christy well, you know they love to travel, and they love history, and they love our global teammates. So we want to put all those things together, and when COVID makes it possible, and we're, we're not sure when this will be, so we can't just say, here, here's the plan. Uh, we're just going to have to wait. But when it's possible, the church wants to gift you a trip to Europe uh, to go enjoy uh, some of the sightseeing and the history, but also to visit since a lot of our global teammate staff is there, including a uh, relative, and family members. By the way, the best gift has already happened. It's, all this is just icing on the cake because uh, they came home last night and were surprised, at least Bruce was, that Hillary and the grandkids are here from Germany to visit. And so that's a good thing. <clears throat> and if you're thinking, how, how can we, oh boy, they're, really, they're going to Europe? How can we contribute to that? Well, we'll let you know. Okay, we'll let you know about that. But we just want to say thank you and we love you. Let's say that together. <laughs> love you guys. You. And we'll, we'll just let you go speak. Seated. And Bruce is going to come and share a bit about his vision as he moves forward. Thank you. Well, thank you. 
wasn't sure what kind of a mess I would be. Um, we love you. We love this church family. Uh, thank you for the, the kind words and the uh, history and the images. Uh, lots of things to laugh at and smile and think back on God's faithfulness uh, to us. And what a privilege to be able to, uh, my wife keeps saying, well, no, they aren't kicking. He's not off the bus. He's just changing seats on the bus. And uh, to be able to continue to serve, uh, we consider that a huge privilege. Yes, yeah, some things will get resumed like Kids Corral once uh, we are allowed. Um, and I get to continue to do some things that I love and put new energy into some new challenges. I'm going to talk about one of them today. One of my areas will be mobilizing our seniors, mobilizing the mature for mentoring and for ministry. So we're going to look at God's Word and talk about the what, the why, the how, what does that mean, how are we going to go about doing it. Uh, as you look around, if you haven't noticed, there's some gray hair in this room. Not that I didn't know anything about it. But, uh, yeah, some of those pictures even, I had black hair. Um, a lot of gray hair. We have an amazing treasure in terms of the number of legacy Believers, that's what some call it. Some just call it folks who have a lifetime of experience. Uh, for decades, they have followed Jesus. They have gone through the work of years and years of figuring out how, how do you grow and sustain a marriage. They've gone through the challenges and the joys of raising their kids, uh, raising a family, and they've learned all the lessons that go with that and have as Pastor John said, thrived in it. And our church family is blessed with a lot of them. When I say mobilizing them, and sure, who is that? I'm counting anybody that's empty nested. The kids are off to college or they're married or they're working a job and you now find yourself in a new chapter of life. That's us. Uh, so we speak first person too. Uh, this is usually a stage of life that has more disposable or uh, available time than ever, maybe more disposable income than ever. Depends how many college bills you're still helping pay. Uh, for sure, there's just boatloads of life experience walking with Jesus and a career and home, a ton of experience to be shared and passed on. But too often, uh, the mature are set aside either by their own choice. You've heard some say, I've done my part at church. It's time for somebody else. Or they are just off to the sideline because they aren't sure how to connect to somebody who is younger in a meaningful, impacting way. So I want you to imagine with me for a few minutes this morning, can you imagine what church body, church life would be like if every single one of our empty nester or call them the mature or call them those experienced in life or call them senior saints, whatever you want to call them, if, they, if every one of them was in a spot where they were influencing the life of at least one younger person, can you think about what the impact would look like on marriages, on how money is viewed and used, on mindset of ministry, on parenting? There'd be a huge impact through our church family. So the what, the why, and the how. What is mobilizing them? Sure. Well, it's working to see that every one of our legacy believers are mature or learned by experience adults are making an impact on the next generations, those behind them. 
or those that are younger than them in our community. Some get this automatically by virtue of their vocation. We have a lot of school teachers. They are daily pouring themselves into two generations younger than them. Others of us don't have it vocationally, but we have other opportunities. We're talking in this series about this is us. Who are we? What drives us? What motivates us? What's ministry like here in our church family? And one of our values is the next generation. We'll do whatever it takes to help the next generation follow Jesus. Every one of our legacy believers impacting somebody, uh, isn't that going to be hard for some? Yeah, probably more awkward for some than others. But because another of our values is teamwork, we believe every person has a part to play in this. So, yes, we're going to work on seeing every one of our mature mobilized. The need is great, and it's growing. To see the older, to engage the younger, and vice versa. So there's an impact on marriages, on vocations, an impact on personal spiritual growth. Mobilizing the mature, what is it? It's the exact opposite of, I just shift to the sideline to golf every day and, uh, and, and enjoy retirement. No, this, these, this is a stage of life where I get to have amazing impact. I've been thinking this week about what is God's word have to say about mobilizing the mature. So if you'd open your Bibles to Titus 2 with me, Titus chapter 2. Uh, two years ago, we had a theme that went the whole year. We talked about invested, and we went off into Titus 2. Our question that we asked over and over was, uh, who is behind you on the path of faith? Somebody younger. One generation, two generations, three generations younger. Who's behind me on the path of faith into whom I am intentionally investing? Well, this whole thing of mobilizing the mature is exactly that. Now, this is a letter. Uh, Titus is given instructions and authority. He's supposed to impact the churches on the island of Crete. He's to help organize them, get them on track, and there's one theme to the letter. The theme of the letter is uh, the way I live uh, should match up with my belief system. What's visible on the outside should match up with the convictions, the teaching. So the theme through the book is you need to have sound teaching, sound doctrine that then is lived out consistently. So Titus is to help the churches get organized. The challenge is great on Crete because there's all kinds of immorality. Uh, there's false teaching. There are challenges to this infant uh, brand new, everybody's a first generation follower of Jesus. And so what's he to do? Well, chapter 2 gives some of the instructions. So it starts off, here's the theme in verse 1. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Uh, give a good foundation. And then he addresses all the age groups in the churches. Teach the older men four things he's to challenge the older, the mature with. Uh, they are to be temperate means clear-headed, good decision-makers. They think well. Uh, that they should be worthy of respect. The word is dignified. They're to be respectable, carry themselves, live out their faith in a way that others go, oh, yeah, I can imitate that. They're to be self-controlled. Uh, the word is just they've, they've learned to master all the urges, the thought life, 
the challenges, the th- what do I say yes to, what do I say no to? That's self-controlled. And then sound in faith and love and endurance. Over the long haul, they persist in their faith and they're worthy of imitation. That's what he's to impact the older with. Then he's to teach the older women as well. Verse three starts, likewise. Likewise meaning sound doctrine. Your life matches up with good, solid foundation of truth. Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Uh, it's uh, the way they serve God. It's the word for a priestess uh, in that culture. Reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And then that teaching what is good is defined with seven things. Uh, Then they can train the younger women, first pair out of the seven, to love their husbands and children. Second pair to be self-controlled and pure, same meaning of self-control that was there for the older men up in verse two. Self-controlled and pure. Then uh, the next pair is to be busy at home and to be kind. They're giving of themselves and to be subject to their husbands, the seventh one. Now, those are the seven things that define what is good that the older women are to, to pass on and, and uh, invest in the younger women. And there's an aim to all of it. End of verse five. So that, what's the purpose of this for the older men, the, the older women teaching the younger women? So that no one will malign the word of God. Malign. Say bad things about it. Criticize it. Say, ah, look at that. It's invalidated. Uh, it, it's not really true. Look at them. Their lives don't match what they say they believe. We've heard a lot of maligning the word of God in the last 10 days. So it only takes a few going, uh, yeah, we believe this, but we're going to live this way instead. And it maligns the word of God. These days challenge all of us to say, the way that I'm living, I need to pay attention to it. Does it match up with what I say I believe? See, our choices are always either matching up with God's word or they are messing up God's word. And Titus's job was to help the generations make sure it was matching God's word. Uh, He, verse 6, says, similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. Same as in verse 2. They are to learn what to say yes to, what to say no to, how to control the the thoughts, the, uh, the impulses, the desires in their lives. Teach them to be self-controlled. I think similarly, at the start of verse 6, saying same way there's a ministry for the older women to the younger women, it's older men, verse 2, and 3 to the younger men, verse 6. Intergenerational impact. I thought this week about, uh, well, what did, how did I learn? What did I learn? I can't remember any conversations with my dad. There was never a conversation about uh, work, how to work, 
how to work with and for people, why he chose the school he did, why he chose to study what he did, why he chose the vocation he did. Uh, I knew there were never conversations. There was never a marriage and sex conversation. He pawned that off on my mom. Uh, there wasn't older man to younger man impact from my dad. But God in his grace brought older men along in my life. Uh, so two days after high school graduation, yeah, you saw my church league basketball coach was my, became my father-in-law. Learned a ton from him. He was our Sunday school teacher, senior high. Uh, two days after graduation, I moved out here to Winona. I went to work for a seminary student who ran a painting business. Bill Crabb taught me how to work, how to work with people, how to work for people. Uh, he's the one that said, Bruce, if you wait to get married until you can afford get married, you'll never get married. It was just all kinds of common sense wisdom that came from him. The conversations we had while on the job. Then uh, day after college, we moved to Pennsylvania, as Mike told you, and my boss was Bill Snell. Bill and Jeannie treated us like their own kids, and I learned so much about marriage and ministry, and the one lesson that Bill drilled into me over and over, major on the majors, as you work with people. He trusted me. Uh, I was young. I was wet behind the ears still, inexperienced, and he handed the ball and said, here, run with it. I'm here if you fumble. Uh, then God brought into my life Dan Snively. I moved back here to work at the college. I had never met anybody who set one-year goals, three-year goals, five-year goals, lifetime goals, and wrote them down. He was, he taught me, it, focused. Focused and intentional. That was Dan. He rubbed off on me. I wish he had rubbed off more. But he rubbed off. And then I had the chance to come. This was our church family already. Had the chance to come and become part of the staff and Pastor John became my boss. He taught me how to think and ask questions. And I'd never worked alongside anybody that was, his ability to think multiple sides of something, ask the questions, the decision-making process was amazing. So thank you. Uh, God brought older men into my life. That was Titus 2 happening to teach me things. Do I wish they'd happened with my dad? Yeah, I do to this day. But God used others instead. So I now get to invest my shepherding energy into helping you, if you are older, find your young Bruce. And if you are younger, I get to help you find your Bill or Dan or John. Uh, Titus isn't the only spot in God's word. Um, the other one I wanted to mention this morning is Deuteronomy chapter 4. It says in Deuteronomy 4, watch out, be careful to never forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live and be sure that the memories that he's talking about there are the exodus, the wilderness wanderings, the coming into the promised land, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Don't forget. And then he says, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Oh, I, I thought my job now that I'm older is just have fun with the grandkids. Oh, that's part of it. But uh, there's, a, there's a job to be done. There's an impact to be had.
of teaching. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, famous passage that as parents we take it seriously. Uh, the challenge is there, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all, with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Uh, good advice for parents. But the word used in verse uh, 7, impress them on your children. It's the word sons. It isn't only parents to their first generation sons. It's the word that's used in the Old Testament also for descendants. So it's, I'm passing on, I'm impressing it on sons, grandsons, surrogate sons, surrogate grandsons. You um, have a lifetime of experience. And sometimes the way we are mobilized is in ministry. So I think of Linda Bowdler, uh, still doing homeschooling work with some of our families, leading the drama with the Kids Corral kids, teaching children's church. Sometimes mobilization of the mature happens in ministry. David Ray, he's raised his kids already. He's here every Wednesday night leading games with the, the Splash Kids. David and Linda Brumbaugh have raised their kids, but they're faithful year after year part of our youth staff, impacting the next generation. Sometimes mobilizing the mature happens just in noticing and engaging people. Uh, Tom and Donna Miller, any, if you're new to the church family, relatively new, who are some of the first people to ever meet you? Tom and Donna Miller, noticing and engaging people. Jesse and Gladys Delow, I don't know how many people they've taken to lunch on a Sunday after they meet someone and just want to exchange stories. Tell us about yourself. Noticing and engaging people. Chuck and Judy Yeager. Uh, Chuck does it with younger businessmen uh, because of his lifetime of experience. Judy does it while she's out here making the outside of the church beautiful, trimming shrubs and roses, and anybody that walks by, uh, she pauses and talks with them and gets to hear their story, noticing and engaging people, mobilizing the mature. You've got a lifetime of experience. So look back, grab the gems of what God has done, the way he's been faithful, the way he's provided, what you've learned, and share it with your grandkids and your surrogate grandkids. The spirit of it is, let me tell you about God and what he's done. Uh, but did you know in our culture, is it really valued? Um, the gray, the mature, the elderly, the seniors, not really valued anymore in our culture. Here's how one person said it. I think we've got the quote up here. Society has lost its compass on how the generations are to interact, what they are to do, and what responsibilities they have to one another. Unfortunately, that has made it into the church not here. We're going to work so that doesn't happen, losing the compass. One guy wrote and said, uh, we have a problem with our mindset toward the mature, the elderly. We have a storage bin mentality. Storm away in nursing homes. Now, some need that for health. Some, that's the right choice, that stage of life for them. And it can be a very, very positive time of ministry but he's criticizing the culture 
He says, we maintain the elderly, but don't give them any serious role in our culture anymore. That was written in 1962. And I submit to you that I think it's worse now than it was then in 1962. Uh, Our history as a culture used to be that the elderly were the authority figures. They were the source of knowledge. They were the ones that mentored. Uh, When the school didn't happen for everyone, how'd you learn? Grandpa? Grandma? In the 1930s, it changed. It's the first time it started showing up in literature that the elderly were a burden. And now it kind of has become more benign. It's just shifted to, well, the elderly are just to be fun. And I say, nope, there's a lot more than that. So why do we need to mobilize? Why mobilize our seniors? Because of the need for surrogacy. Surrogacy. It's when older generations come alongside younger generations that they aren't related to. They're not blood. They come alongside a younger couple, a younger family, younger working men and women. They're the mentors, the encouragers, the resources, surrogate parents and grandparents. We, we have, I think there's a map up here. Our, our country is already 23% of our homes. There's one parent there. Add to it all the families where parents aren't intentional spiritually. How big is the need for surrogates who know Jesus, who have walked with Jesus to come alongside? We have the highest rate of single-parent homes out of 130 developed nations in the world. That's tragic. The need for surrogacy is big and it's growing. So we talk about this is us. One of our values is family. We're focused on building strong discipleship communities. It means life groups, ABS. It means uh, ministry teams. It means strong marriages and strong homes. That's who we are. This is us. So the decades of experience in your relationship with Jesus, they make a difference. Sometimes in ministry. Bill and Carol Gordon have great friendships in Real People ABF. They left that ABF to go be the surrogate parents to Eternal Perspective ABF for a dozen years, 15 years maybe to be the surrogate parents to all those younger families in our church family. Um, Sometimes it happens in ministry, the three Bs. Uh, Becky Dick, Becky Grill, and Barbara Sasso. All widows, teaching children's church, doing the laundry in the nursery, volunteering. They're in and out of the church here. I, I see them multiple times a week, almost every day. Here, what have they done? This chapter of life, they don't enjoy being widows. But this chapter of life is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pour into the next generations. Um, there's a slide here of a dear family down, that's Ricardo and Dorita and their daughter Christy, Moa, Cuba. I love that J. Bell met them. J. Bell and Mark Soto have discipled them, done Bible studies and answered questions on theology uh, by the WhatsApp app, 
They've been doing that for the last two years. Amazing. Pouring into a younger family in Cuba. Sometimes it's just noticing and engaging people. So uh, Ron and Charlene Donovan had never even met our son Trent. They knew there was a prayer request, need for prayer. He started every time I saw them. He said, how's Trent? We've been praying. And, and then they finally got to meet him. And uh, he'll be here this morning, and they'll probably get to meet him uh, and talk again this morning. How will we mobilize? One thing has to happen. Family circle has to open. So uh, we've got lots of folks uh, that are mature, elders, uh, seniors who are really intentional about pouring into investing in their kids and their grandkids, their blood. But for us to mobilize the mature, it means opening the circle. It's to go past my blood family into others. Uh, God's done this with us. Christy has invested for decades in other kids, uh, the things that she teaches, and that she gets to pour into them in Kids Corral. Um, we love our grandkids. And what a surprise last night. They're here. So this was Grandma baking a cake, I think, for Jack's birthday. Um, so we love being with them. But God has been opening our circle. So uh, one of them was having uh, Trent meet Sarah and Peasley, and they come into our life. So our family has uh, grown. So we've got a new granddaughter uh, that we're thrilled about. And then we knew God was just tugging on us. Uh, we've got great peers, a life group of our peers, great friendships over decades. But it was obvious God was saying, uh, younger people, start investing in younger. So we formed a life group. Uh, three young couples, us as the old people, and a single. Uh, plus then another family has joined, uh, actually two others that are raising their kids. So we've got a multi-generational EBF. God's been opening up our circle. And then uh, we knew this, this was in pro that life group had been going for six months. And uh, the Gagnons moved in the, across the street from us. They're part of our church family. Maybe you've met Darren and Stacy and their seven kids. And God put them in our hearts and us in their hearts. And like this, we became like surrogate parents and surrogate grandparents to their seven kids. And then a little over a year ago, their best friend from Arizona moved to Sunday Lane. Jared and Darla Melantine and their five kids and same thing we became surrogate parents and surrogate grandparents and now there's these two young families and their 12 kids our, our circle is opened and we are blessed and the better for it uh, so is there something to be gained in that you bet ask me about it I'll tell you more uh, how are we going to mobilize you got to make the choice. I'm going to open my circle. Uh, another thing we'll do in the how, I'll, do, I'll send a survey to our four older ABFs. And uh, maybe it'll come to you by email. Tell me about your career, your life experience, your hobbies. And then I'm going to arrange things. I'd like to be able to say to Kate Jackson as a first-year teacher, Kate, you and Willa Henry ought to have coffee. Because she taught her whole life Sure, it's different now, but sit down and have a conversation. Will it go anywhere past one conversation? Who knows? Maybe. Maybe not. But uh, 
I'll, I'll arrange the first conversation and you take it from there. See what God does. Third thing is prayer partners. I love that Dave Phelps said his prayer partners with Gerald Pullman, who's now with the Lord. Uh, when Gerald's mind started going, he couldn't remember Dave's name, but they were still prayer partners. It's a great way to intergenerationally invest. And uh, last way is we're going to do some generational mixers. They'll be awkward. Do not stay home. They'll feel weird. Don't skip them. We'll take an older life group and a younger life group, bring them together for an evening to eat, play some games, sit across from each other, answer some questions. Yes, it's going to be strange, but that might be the spot to find your young Bruce or to find your Bill or Dan or John. So that's how we will mobilize. Can you imagine what it would be like in our church family if every one of our legacy believers was intentionally investing in someone behind them on the path of faith? The difference it would make in parenting, the difference in stewardship, the difference in marriages, the difference in how I approach my job Monday through Saturday. Let's mobilize the mature. Okay. I'd like to invite pastors and uh, overseers to come and stand here behind me. We're going to have a time of commission prayer, and Chrissy can come and stand with Bruce. Uh, after hearing that sermon, I really want to be a part of the Bruce and Christy circle because there seems to be a lot of cake involved. <laughs> <laughs> but it may be that our world, our generations don't necessarily in, in, out there value uh, the older generations, but we in the church do, and one way we do it is by giving you our best, our best, uh, and I'm excited to see where it is going to go. And so we're going to have a time of commissioning prayer for uh, Bruce and Christy as they move forward, and Randy Heinzman is going to come pray, and then Mark McCollum. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for just inviting each one of us to be a part of your church. And as we look back over the years, um, the history of this body, we are encouraged to see your hand at work and uh, just retelling the stories of what has gone on before. It's so encouraging to us and strengthening. And as we think of more recent history, the time that Christy and Bruce have been here and have been an integral part of so many different ministries in the church, um, we just give you thanks for what they have been a part of. Uh, we thank you for their love for you, for each other, and for us. And so many of us have many, many stories that we could tell, and it would take hours and hours, and it would be a great thing. Um, seeing the pictures this morning was a great reminder of all that they have done and the great impact that they have had not just on this body from the youngest to the to the oldest members as well but also into our community and beyond our community into the world uh, just the impact is so great but as this morning as we look to the future uh, we are excited and we are inspired by thinking about what is to come uh, for them 
and we think specifically of the mobilization of seniors and also the discipleship counseling that Bruce will be involved in and uh, just the many ways that shepherding and teaching and encouraging and supporting will continue through both of them. We thank you so much for that and we look forward to how you will continue to move in their lives to bless us. And so we ask for your blessing on them. Give them wisdom, give them strength, and uh, we just pray that as they uh, continue on into this next, um, this next phase of ministry, that you will go with them and you will bless us through them and that your spirit will continue to move in them and grow them and bring them closer to you and that we will also be uh, lifting them up in prayer continually in your name. And Father, I just agree in prayer and just thank you for the legacy that Bruce and Christy have left. And my prayer is that you will build on that legacy and we look with excitement as you, Holy Spirit, powerfully move through them to continue to impact this body. And we just give you the praise and the glory. And thank you, Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen.